This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Martin Luther was a German monk and a professor. Uh, He had a significant influence in church history and theology. He was really the leading figure of, uh, really the father of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, And one of the main teachings of of Reformed theology is the belief in the sovereignty of God. We just sang about it, that he reigns, the sovereignty of God. And this belief was critical to Martin Luther because he was seeking to reform some of the teachings and practices of the Roman Catholic Church in that time in history. So in the year 1517, he confronted the authorities by nailing his 95 theses to the Wittenberg door. Now, the actual title of the 95 theses is is the Disputation on the Power and Efficacy of Indulgences. But 95 theses is easier to say than that, right? Because basically they were selling indulgences for the forgiveness of sins. So if you gave money to the church, your sins would then be forgiven. And that was not in harmony with Scripture. So the Pope and the Holy Roman Emperor, right, the two most powerful people in the world, demanded that Martin Luther renounce all his writings. Uh, And if he did not, they would declare him a heretic, excommunicate him, the Pope would, and they'd banish, banish him from the Roman Empire by the Holy Roman Emperor. So my question really is this. How did Martin Luther confront his fear? I mean, can you imagine being thrown out of the empire or thrown out of the... What helped him confront his fear? What gave Luther the courage to confront the two most powerful leaders of his time? What gave Luther the ability to stand against some of the teachings and practices that were not in harmony with Scripture? I mean, all he... What would you do? (laughs) All he had to do was renounce his writings. Instead, he chose excommunication by the Pope and banishment by the Roman emperor. What gave him the courage to face his fear? He believed in the sovereignty of God. He believed that the Lord reigns above all things. God is above all rulers, above all powers, above all principalities. That's what gave him the courage to face his fears. So how about you? Are you facing something that is causing fear? Are we as a church living in fear? What helps us face our fears? Today, we're going to look at and hopefully sing the song of Moses. And it's a song that's all about the sovereignty of God. It is a song that causes us to praise God as the Lord who reigns forever and ever and ever. And when we put our trust in this God who reigns above all things, then we can have courage and hope when we're afraid. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Uh, Heavenly Father, just thank you so much that you are here with us. And Lord, uh, we confess 
our belief that you reign, that you are sovereign, that you reign forever and ever. And I pray, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, that confession would, would not just be a belief and a confession, but that we would experience you reigning in our lives. So, Father, um, bless this time. Um, bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, All right, before we look at the Song of Moses in Exodus 15, I'd like to share about the context that led up to the song. So the Israelites, in in the book of Exodus, the Israelites had been brutally oppressed as slaves in Egypt. And God heard their cry for help. And then God promises to deliver them out of slavery in Egypt. That's what Exodus is all about. God delivers them out of slavery in Egypt. But God first had to confront the gods of Egypt. And that's what the ten plagues are all about. The the ten plagues are not so much a confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh as much as it is a confrontation between God Almighty and all the gods in Egypt. So God is confronting all the gods in Egypt. So, for example, in the first plague of blood, God was confronting the Egyptian gods of the Nile River. So the god of creation and waters, he was the guardian and source of the Nile. Hopi was the god of the Nile. Um, the god, there was another god of the afterlife whose, whose blood, the Nile River was actually considered his blood. So the Nile River was worshipped as a god. So by turning the water into blood, God was confronting all of those, god, those Egyptian gods over that had power over and the source of the Nile River. In the second plague of frogs, God was confronting Hecate, the goddess of fertility, who took on the form of a frog. In the third plague of gnats, God was confronting Geb, the god of the earth, the one who would allow the crops to grow The fourth plague of flies, God was confronting the ancient Egyptian god of the flies. In the fifth plague of the cattle, God was confronting the god Hapi, who is again the god over the Nile as well, who was represented as a bull or as a male cow. So the Egyptians worshipped many animals. But the main animal that they worshipped was the Apis bull. There were special temples to this bull, the, the movements of this bull would interpret the future of welfare and fortunes of Egypt. They mummified this bull. They worshiped the bull as a god. And so that helps us, by the way, understand why it was so easy for the Israelites later to worship a golden calf. Because that's what they did in Egypt. And in the second, sixth plague of boils, God was confronting Isis, the god of health, and um, the goddess of epidemics and healing. And the, 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 their Egyptian magicians, magicians who worshipped those gods couldn't do anything about the boils. In the sixth plague of hail, God was confronting Nut, the god of the sky and the, and the heavens, and Shu, the god of wind and air, and Seth, the god of the storms. In this eighth plague of locusts, God was confronting the goddess of the harvest and the god and the goddesses of the grains because those locusts would eat all of their grains. In that ninth plague of darkness, God was confronting the great Egyptian god Ra. And then finally, in the tenth plague on the firstborn, God was confronting Pharaoh himself (laughs) because Pharaoh was worshipped as a god in Egypt. 
But Pharaoh could not protect his own son, let alone the sons of, of his land, of his dominion, of his reign. So in all ten plagues, God was judging the gods in Egypt. And while these plagues came upon the land of Egypt, the Israelites did not experience any of the plagues in the areas that they were living. So God, God is making a distinction between the Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, and, the, and all the other gods in Egypt. And that's the reason Pharaoh's heart grew hard was so that God could confront all the Egyptian gods. I mean, think about it. If Pharaoh's heart was soft and they said, let us go, and he just, they just left, he wouldn't have been able to confront all these gods. And so God could confront these gods and show all the people in, in the land of Egypt through these plagues, through his mighty works and wonders, so that they might believe that Yahweh actually is the one true reigning sovereign God above all their other gods. So the Egyptian god Pharaoh was finally defeated and Pharaoh finally relented and let God's people go. Then the exodus began. 430 years after living in Egypt, the Hebrew slaves left Egypt. And then this gets interesting. The Lord told Moses, tell the Israelites to go camp by the Red Sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Now, Baal means God, the Lord, and Zephon is the Canaanite god, storm god. It's the, the Canaanite storm god. So here they are encamped opposite. So it's in direct confrontation with the storm god. So after God has confronted all the gods of Egypt, he's now going to start confronting the Canaanite gods from the promised land so that people could see that Yahweh reigned above all other gods. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard yet again. So Pharaoh changed his mind about letting God's people go and Pharaoh took his army and he pursued hard after the Israelites. And the Israelites were terrified. I mean, can you imagine that? You just were freed. And you have the most powerful army in the world coming to destroy you. How would you feel? They were terrified. Terrified. So Moses says, do not be afraid. Can we say that? Do not be afraid. Why? Stand firm, he says. And you will see the deliverance that God has promised. The deliverance the Lord will bring today. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. And now this is the big event that we will sing about. The crossing of the Red Sea. So the Lord drove the sea back with a strong wind. It wasn't Baal Zephon, the Canaanite god of the storm. He's watching Yahweh actually through a strong wind move back the waters. It was a sign to show that Yahweh reigned above the Canaanite gods. And the Israelites then went through the sea on dry ground. But of course, Pharaoh and his army followed into this, them into the sea and the waters flowed back over the Egyptian armies on that day. The Lord saved Israel from the Egyptian armies. And because the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord, they put their trust in him. And what do you think that they did as soon as they got to the other side? What would you do? 
Thank you, whoever that was. Sing, of course. And now we come to the song that Moses sings. And again, let's put ourselves into the shoes of the Israelites. They were terrified. You're just about to be destroyed by the Egyptian armies. And God does this amazing deliverance. He parts the Red Sea. It says, then, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. And I want to sing this with you. If, you. if you're able to, would you mind just standing with me? And I'm going to invite you. Because uh, I don't think, you know, they, they were pretty excited about this. And so I'm going to say the first line. And then I'm going to invite you to say pretty exuberantly. Because, you know, you just were delivered. You know, so pretty enthusiastically. It's not like... Thank you, Lord, for delivering, saving my life, you know. Um, So if you could just sing, say, shout out loud the second line in bold font. So let's sing the song. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The Lord is my strength. He is my song. This is my God, and I will praise him. The Lord is a man of war. He fights for us. The Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts he cast into the sea. The floods covered them. Your right hand, O Lord, it is glorious in power. You believe in the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow our adversaries. Unbelievable. At the love at the blast of your nostrils. (laughs) That's a good song lyric. Come on, put a nostril in your next song. At the blast of your nostrils, the the water piles up. The enemy said, the enemy said, I'll divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. But you blew your wind and the sea covered them. And then the heart of the song, who is like you? We love that. That was the chorus of your song. Who is like you, O Lord? I mean, are you like Ra, the Egyptian god Ra, or all those Egyptian gods, or the bull Apis? I mean, who is like you among all the other gods? All the wonders, the ten plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the confrontation with Baal, Zephon, all these plagues. And you, God, stretched out your right hand. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. The people have heard, they tremble. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed, trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. Terror and dread fall upon them. 
Till your people, O Lord, pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on your holy mountain. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Let's say that again. The Lord will reign forever. Okay, now we celebrate. Okay. Okay, you can be seated. The last line of the song is the chorus. The Lord God, the Lord, the Yahweh reigns forever and ever. This is a song. Moses and the people of Israel sang a song, I will sing. And it's a praise song. It's, they, say, they sing, my God, whom I'll, I'm going to praise you. The first praise song in the Bible. The father, my father's God, I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to praise you. It's a praise song to the Lord. The Lord is my song. Who is like the Lord? Who is like the Lord? Majestic. Holy, awesome, and glorious deeds and powers and wonders. The way maker. <laughs> and the whole reason that they sing to the Lord is, is because he triumphs gloriously. He brought them through. The horse and the rider, he's thrown into the sea. The main point of this song is that the Lord will reign forever and ever. It is the chorus of the first praise song in the Bible that Yahweh, the God of gods, reigns forever and ever. And the main point of the Exodus story and the main point of the ten plagues is that God reigns above the Egyptian gods. He reigns above Pharaoh. He reigns above the Egyptian armies. He reigns above the Canaanite gods. He reigns above all our fears and doubts. He reigns above it all. Now this song has three main themes that they sang in the verses. And I just want to look at these three themes And how this song points to Jesus. So the first theme that we see is that God redeemed Israel out of slavery. Notice the language in these verses. He's led them with steadfast love. The people whom he has, what's the word? And whom you have what? Redeemed. That's, that's That's where we get this language of redemption and purchase. The word redeem is the language of slavery. That you can buy back a slave. That you can purchase them out of slavery into freedom. And that is exactly what God did. He set them free. But he not only redeems them as slaves and sets them free. God also saved Israel from their enemies. So again, you remember Pharaoh sent his armies. And the enemies were all confident. I'm going to pursue them, they would say. I'm going to overtake them. I'm going to take my sword out. I'm going to destroy every single one of them. So the people were naturally terrified, yet God saves them from their enemies. And it's why Moses could sing, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand. That's a symbol, a sign of God's power, his reign, his power, O Lord. It shatters the enemies. In the greatness of your majesty, your reign, your kingship, you overthrow your adversaries. And that is why they sang that the Lord reigns forever and ever. 
But God not only saved them out of slavery, he brought his people into his presence. And that's why they would sing in the last part of the song, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the place where God dwells. That he's, he's not just delivering them out of something, but into where he is, into his very presence. And so they sing, the Lord reigns. He reigns forever and ever. That is a great worship song. It's the first worship song of the Bible. A praise song. The Lord God reigns. Lord God, you, you redeem us. You redeem us out of slavery. You, you have saved us from our enemies. Lord, and you bring us right to yourself, into your presence. But I have good news for you today. The first worship song in the Bible gets even better because the song of Moses points to Jesus Christ. It points to Jesus. The whole Exodus story points to Jesus as its ultimate fulfillment, which is why we today can sing Jesus Christ reigns forever and ever and ever and ever. In Exodus, if you remember, Moses and the people, all the people of Israel who came out of Egypt, they were singing that chorus, the Lord reigns forever and ever. But if you think about it, it was only Moses and the Israelites who were singing this song. So maybe a a, a million people were singing it. Not too bad. A million people singing it. But the chorus ultimately points to Jesus. Because in Revelation 11, we hear that a great multitude of voices in heaven are singing. A great multitude of voices, trillions upon trillions of angels are singing, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign for... You know that tune. Jesus Christ reigns forever and ever. You see, Moses sang about God redeeming his people out of slavery in Egypt. But God has done a greater thing in Jesus. Because Jesus has redeemed all people out of the greater slavery. You know, Martin Luther's life was changed by reading one book. Do you know what it was? Romans, that's right. It changed his life forever. He learned that salvation is a free gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus. And he learned this by reading Romans, in particular Romans 3, 23 to 25. It's considered the gospel in a sentence. And it goes like this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? The glory and presence of God Can anyone attain that glory of God's very presence? We all fall just a little, we fall short. Everyone sees that. But but with that, with our sin, 
We are made right. We are justified by God's grace. And it's given as a gift. Not anything we do to earn it. God, it's just God's gift. It's his grace. That's what turned Martin Luther around. And it's through the redemption. Do you see that word? No. Not up there. Redemption. That is Christ Jesus. Now where do we get that word redemption from? It's the, it's the story of the Exodus. The redemption that is Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, meaning what he did on the cross, that we receive God's justification. We receive this gift simply by what Jesus, Jesus has done on the cross, and it is received through our trust in Jesus Christ. God has redeemed the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, but he's done a greater thing in Jesus. Jesus has redeemed all people out of a greater slavery of our sin. Jesus Christ reigns forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Moses saying about how God saved the Israelites from their enemies, those, that Egyptian army. But God has done a greater thing in Jesus because Jesus has saved all people from a greater enemy. It's an enemy that is far more powerful than Pharaoh and the Egyptian army and the Egyptian gods. Who is our greater enemy? Peter says, your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. That's what the enemy does. The opponent of the, all the goodness of God seeks to destroy. And that's why John says, it's for this purpose that the Son of God, that is Jesus, was made manifest. God's Son was revealed that Jesus might destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came, not just to forgive us for our sins, but to confront evil itself. And that's why John sees in Revelation 12, a vision of Satan being thrown down to earth. It goes like this. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent going all the way back to Genesis, who is called the devil, who is called the Satan, who is called the deceiver of the whole world. He is thrown down to the earth and his angels with him are thrown down. They are thrown down. They lose their power. That is Jesus. He does not just conquer the Egyptian army. He conquers Evil itself. Jesus reigns forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. And not only that, Moses, who's saying about how God brought his people out of Egypt and into his, pre his presence, but God's going to do a greater thing in Jesus because Jesus doesn't just bring his people into God's presence. He actually brings God's presence to us. <laughs> That's why in Revelation 21, John sees this vision of heaven and the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven and God on the throne saying, behold, my dwelling place is with you. That's my first breath prayer. When I wake up every morning, I breathe in and I say, breathe three breaths. Remember God, the father, second breath, God, the son, third is God, the Holy Spirit. And I breathe in, remember God, the father. And I, I say, behold. My dwelling place is with you, Steve. Can you believe that? That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit 
dwells in you. Jesus reigns forever and ever and ever. Jesus redeems us out of a greater slavery of sin. He saves us out of a, from a greater enemy. Jesus brings us into his presence. Therefore, we have nothing to fear. And that's something to sing about. You know, I want to encourage you this week to write a song. Okay, write a poem. Okay, write a prayer. Write a song. Write a poem. Write a prayer. Confess your fears. Confess your sin. And praise God that he reigns above it all. Praise Jesus Christ in this prayer. Praise him that he reigns above it all forever and ever. And maybe ask him to redeem you out of something. Or to save you from something. Or to deliver you into something. Or maybe you want to thank him in advance. Thank him for redeeming you in advance for something you need rescuing from. Thank him for saving you in advance. Or thank him for just being so close to you. You know, what helped Martin Luther conquer his fear? Imagine. He is confronting the world power of the day. What, how was Martin Luther able to stand firm when he was afraid? Because he believed in the Lord's sovereign reign over all things. Over the Pope, over the Roman Emperor, over all things. The Lord reigns forever and ever. And I think that's why Martin Luther was such a prolific songwriter. He wrote the great hymn, Mighty Fortresses Are God. It's one of, the best, it's one of his best known hymns. Um, the hymn celebrates the sovereign power of God over all earthly and spiritual forces. Amen. Over all fears and It sings about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So I want to read this hymn as a song of praise, like the song of Moses. It'll be our prayer. So a mighty fortress, he writes, is our God. A bulwark is just a wall of protection, never failing. Our shelter he is. God is our fortress, our protector, our wall, our shelter He, amidst the the flood of mortal ills, the deadly ills that are prevailing. For still our ancient foe, and who is that? That is Satan, the devil, the, the opponent of God, all that is good. Doth seek to work us woe, his craft and his power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength put our trust our strivings would be losing. We, we can't put our trust in, in ourselves. Were it not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing, well, who does ask who that may be? Who is it? Yes, it's Christ Jesus. It is he. 
Lord Sabaoth, that is the Lord of the armies, is his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devil's fill should threaten to undo us, we will what? We will not fear. Imagine what he was facing. Imagine what we face. We imagine what the Israelites faced with the Egyptian armies on their back. We will not fear. For God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. And the prince of darkness, the devil grim, we tremble. Not for him. No fear there. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. With one word, Jesus shall fell him. I love that. It's a, maybe thinking back when Jesus you know, confronted the demon. With one little word, go. Boom. <laughs> what are we afraid of? <laughs> That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him, Jesus, who with us sideth. He's right by our side. Let goods and kindred go this mortal life also. The body may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. The Lord will reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father. That is our prayer. Lord, we thank you and we declare that you reign forever and ever and ever. That is what we sing today. We declare it and we believe it in our minds, but help us to believe it in our hearts. Lord, would you redeem us out of our fear? We cast fear aside in the name of Jesus. We ask that you would save us from anything that causes fear in our life. And that you would bring us into the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, who reigns forever and ever 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 and ever. Sunset Church is a house of prayer for all nations. And if anyone would like prayer, elders and Prayer ministers will be here after the benediction. I would love to pray for you. Maybe some of you are countering fear in your life. And we can pray for that. We pray for God to conquer that fear. Give us hope. So with that, receive the blessing. Jesus Christ reigns forever and ever. So may he redeem you in the areas you need redeeming. May he save you from whatever you need saving from. And may he bring you into his hope and his presence. And all God's people said.